Thank you for listening to Knocking Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. And so I, I do think environment has such a, a large role in being specific about like, who do we want to be and who are the people we get to surround ourselves with to, that helps us be the people we want to be. Here at Knocking Doors Down, we share the stories of people who overcome adversity. You know that already, but what you may not know is that our partners at the Carlos Vieira Foundation aim to help people who struggle with their own adversities as well. The Carlos Vieira Foundation helps those in need through their race for autism, race to be drug free, and race to end the stigma campaigns. You can also choose the Carlos Vieira Foundation as your charitable organization on Amazon Smile to contribute as well. To learn more and support these causes, check out all the info at carlosvierafoundation.org. This is Knocking Doors Down, a podcast all about those who have taken their dark times and turned them into their greatest advantages. Your host, Jason the Chance here. Of course, I've struggled with alcoholism, some childhood trauma, and sexual abuse. And over there, my co-host, Mikey Naraki. Yeah, I got myself busted a time or two. What are you going to do? Our guest, Jonah Chow. Miss Jonah, lovely lady. She is. Uh, you're going to get a really insightful uh, conversation with her. She's a total blast. We weren't sure what to totally expect, and she is just absolutely fun. Uh, not only an actress, uh, does uh, flag football, women's flag football league. She's a quarterback, mm-hmm. but uh, also does some stand-up comedy. One of her uh, things is uh, Made in China, first generation uh, Chinese immigrant here. She was born in China, then her family immigrated here. So you're going to hear a lot of different stuff. Not only is she going to uh, you know, dive into some of her career path, her latest role that's out there was uh, voiceover work in Raya the Last Dragon on Disney+. Plus. But she also talks about some of um, her self-loathing about her nationality as a kid because of some of the stuff that she went through in bullying, uh, which later led subsequently. She talks about struggling with a gambling addiction, an unfortunate thing that affects anyone, period, but it hits women more often than men is an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And she really opened up to us throughout this conversation. We weren't really sure where she was going to go with some stuff, and she really just laid it out there. And and so I I highly recommend it for anyone. If you are struggling, know someone struggling with an eating disorder, it's really insightful. And she's an example of knocking doors down and getting on the other side of that. Yeah, no, for sure. She definitely went into that, and we we appreciate her being so open about it because that's what uh, we're all about here, being open and honest. And we couldn't do this without 5150 LTM. We thank them for their sponsorship and swagging out Mikey and myself, all the gear we wear on our YouTube channels and on our social media. See that 5150 gear. Get yourself swagged out. Click the link in the podcast description. Use the code KDD20 for 20% off. What's the code? KDD20. Dope. Jason. Oh, gosh. I was just going to say hi, Raya. We have Jonah Chow here. And she is on Raya. <laughs> so, yeah, I got it a little mixed up there. But, Jonah, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Just Excellent. Living I, the dream. Uh, how are you doing during the pandemic, obviously, with the career, which we're going to get more into? Of course, Jonah, um, you know, an actress. It's just a laundry list of great uh, roles that you've played thus far. Plus, you do f- football professionally, <laughs> the ladies' football. she got a hell of an arm. And uh, you're just incredibly active and doing so many great things. So how are you managing it during this time when when it's really a challenge for everyone's mental health, let alone their career path? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I, when we were first shut down last March, about a year ago, I think I, that first couple weeks was pretty rough because 
I'm an extreme introvert, uh, extrovert. So mm. I like love being around people. So that was difficult, but I am really grateful for platforms like this, like Zoom, um, and getting to connect with awesome people like your, your guys' selves. So that has been really helpful for me. And actually what's interesting is I actually have been working more on set during the pandemic than like the year prior to the pandemic. Uh-huh. So I think, yeah, I'm really grateful. So my experience, <laughs> um, I think a lot more unique than what most people might be experiencing right now. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can actually kind of relate to that, too, because due to the pandemic, a lot of actors and actresses and all that people that we've interviewed are available because not a lot of things were in production. So they're like, yeah, I could do a podcast. It's via Zoom. And we're just like, this is kind of selfishly working to our benefit. So we're looking at the glass half full. We're in a pandemic as well. We're keeping our distance, you know, all that good stuff. But yeah, so... Well, before we dig into uh, some of your background, and of course, we're in such an interesting time in our in our country. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, your, your projects that you've got going on now? Of course, the film that just hit Disney Plus got an earmark to watch. Tell us a little bit about uh, that role and how you got that character. Yeah, so I'm thrilled to be part of Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, we have Disney's first Southeast princess in Raya. She's a kick-ass warrior princess um, trying to uh, gather the dragon gems alongside her companions that she meets along the way um, to save the world. So it's really a story about unity and coming together and um, trust. Uh, So I think there's a lot of relevant themes that I think people of all ages can be really inspired by and enjoy like a fun, uh, funny adventure story along the way. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, young Jonah and what you were like, because I love it, as you say, uh, was it uh, Chinese-born, American-raised, something along those lines? Yeah. Yeah, so I was originally made in China. Made in China, yeah. And then I grew up in the United States. So I grew up in, like, upstate New York and then St. Louis. I consider St. Louis my hometown. I think growing up, there's just... I just felt very like other, like I was very different because I was Asian. Um, in my graduating class, there were about 500 or so students. So we had a decently big high school, about 500 graduating class. I think there was five of us that were Asian and I was friends with most of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think it was just normal to feel like I was different or weird. And I luckily the last few years really embraced my ethnicity and my heritage, my background. But I think growing up, I was just so desperately trying to fit in, um, unfortunately. (laughs) That unfortunate, yeah, we try to fit in and then we want to be so different to differentiate ourselves (laughs) so much, especially working in Hollywood now as you do. Right. The irony. Well, what, what was it like not only for you, but your folks and did you have, do you have any siblings? Yeah, so I have a brother um, who is a few years younger than me. And, you know, it's like my parents, uh, I'm first generation. Um, my brother is second generation. He was born in the States. And I think it's like right now, it, it's such a, a weird time. And I'm glad that we're having these conversations um, around like race and uh, addressing some of the issues that we face as a society because. I think it's so easy to just blame one person and go, well, yeah, that guy's like crazy and messed up. So, you know, 
just punish him and, and we're good to go. But mm-hmm. it really speaks to, I think, an issue with our society, <laughs> like society as a whole, and how do we all potentially, how are we all maybe contributing to the issues that um, are happening right now? Yeah. So that yeah. it's systemic and societal, and it's not just about these kooky random individuals you know yeah yeah because they're 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 a smaller part of a like you said a much bigger issue that's going on absolutely and and i you know i've always considered myself an advocate of social justice and in high school i remember i was selected um to be part of this leadership conference our leadership retreat we were going to go away for like a week and it was um you know, leaders selected from the various high schools in St. Louis area. And so, you know, we all came in like wanting to like change the world, make the world a better place. And the first half was pretty rough emotionally, but in a good way. Like we all had to, you know, we wanted to change the world, but we didn't realize how much we were contributing to all the isms of the world, sexism, racism, um, classism, like, uh, just all the isms. So we first had to really a- a- examine ourselves. And there was lots of crying, lots of breakdowns, lots of aha moments of like understanding the privileges that we inherently have, acknowledging them, seeing how we're contributing to the oppression, like the systems of oppression that are out there in like the way we speak, what we, we are, we're okay with other people saying around us, just, just kind of looking at all that and really it broke us down. <laughs> Um, quite a bit and then the second half was like okay so now how do we how do we help change the world in some way (laughs) but it was first really looking at ourselves and acknowledging um, the things that we do to contribute to the problem and I think as a society right now that is one good place to start is to do some introspection because I don't think most people would actually ever classify themselves as racist or sexist or any of them like it but clearly it exists, right? right so clearly right. it's <laughs> But um, most people don't ever see themselves in that way. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, no matter what they say. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it's that, that self-examination thing. And it's kind of, uh, I was talking actually with my sponsor. I think the world would benefit from like a 12-step program because we focus on that ism a lot. And boy, <laughs> you are looking in the mirror at, at your shit and how you, you right? know, it's Yeah. Uh, no, that's great that you're, that you're, you went through and you're going through that journey and i think um more people could absolutely benefit from it um even if they're not struggling with like a particular specific addiction right now yeah Uh, and and i think it's hard for people to come to terms and grips maybe with some of their actions at certain times you know when they when they do stereotype as uh you know, to poke at Mikey a little bit, he was joking with one of our our, our former guests. We were recording, you know, because he's all tattooed up. He goes into the store, and and what occurs when you go in the store? You know, there's the old lady with the purse that clutches the purse. You know, and I'm just like, lady, my arms cost more than your purse. Like, I'm not going to steal your purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we we have, and and it's natural. It, it's very biological for us to like if something looks different, right, than us in some way whether it's tattoos or, or skin color or whatever, it, it, people, our brains naturally make categories, right? Because that's how we process things. It's mm-hmm. like, um, so I, I, you know, I, on one side, it, I think it's biological, but on the other, like as we get older and older and experience more of the world, like we can be more conscious about how some of those things come, 
come to our awareness and um, being more conscientious about how we react instead of just like reacting from like a very basic instinct. Yeah, it's kind of the I've heard it referred to as the lizard brain, you know, the the primordial part, and it's that yeah. it, it's that that yeah. you know how fear works it, for a mechanism in our brain, but because of the way that we now societally, you know, and structures change, classify everything and put it, and all of a sudden this thing that for whatever reason triggered as a harmful type of thing, and so our brain immediately goes there without any sort of rational thought to it whatsoever. You know, it's kind of like, makes sense if you're standing at the edge of a cliff in 80-mile-per-hour winds, you want to get the hell away from the cliff. But it's a lot of these other things that it's like, that's not logic at all. That's not based in anything rational whatsoever. Right, exactly. No, I, I completely agree. So what was uh, Jonah like as a, as a little kid then? Obviously, you know, what, um, in the home, did uh, you know, did your, were your folks English speaking as well when you came to the U.S.? Or was that kind of a process as well? And then going into school and being multilingual, what was the situation there for you? Sure. So Chinese, uh, Mandarin specifically, was my first language. Mm-hmm. And my, my parents were learning English, and I uh, learned English, I think, right around like age five when I was like in five-ish when I was in preschool um and I remember like just I would have nightmares about like the kids teasing me because I didn't know English and just like I would literally like (laughs) be worried about that and I remember going to uh, my like preschool teacher and like going (sighs) and she's like drinking fountain and I'm like (laughs) like, um I don't know what I did to ask to go to the bathroom (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what I made, um, <laughs> but I guess we figured it out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we mainly spoke Chinese, and then, like, as I got older, um, you know, I, I became fluent in English. Uh, we spoke a lot of Chinglish, which is a mix of Chinese and English, so just throwing different words um, in. And now, nowadays, I would say we speak like. 75 to 80% English and then um, like 20% Mandarin. I always loved it. I always love those situations because, you know, I've had people in my life that everything from being Persian to, you know, speaking Spanish or, or like I said, I had prior to recording had students that were Hmong and hearing that and then when they would go in and out, it was always amusing because be like, oh, I I got what you were saying. You said that so many times. I know it now. I always thought that was so cool, you know, like my grandma, she was 100% Hispanic, and she would always try to teach my sister and I Espanol, and we just never, we never picked up on it. And I think it's so cool when people go from one language talking to this person to another language talking to that person. I'm just like, damn, that's dope. And I regret, I mean, I still could learn it if I wanted to, but I just regret not listening more when I was a young little fella, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's awesome to go back to from Mandarin to English. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm grateful that I got to uh, learn Mandarin for sure. Yeah. Well, your parents sound like, uh, A, you know, folks, it's 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 funny. The, the couple things that piss, piss me off, I'm going to sh- share that is uh, not only when people come here, how difficult it is to make a move from a different country and a culture and everything else, let alone come here. And then the one that always pissed me off is, uh, why don't they speak English? It's like, 
pardon my language, well, asshole, uh, why don't you try speaking Spanish, Chinese, whatever it is, <laughs> and see how difficult it is for you because people forget that we think in our language, and it's such a way to change, uh, you know, of everything. Absolutely, and I think uh, because of the number of Chi Chinese might be one of the most popular languages, it's not English, you know, yeah. I mean, English mm -hmm. is growing. But in terms of the world population, you know, less people speak English, I think, than Chinese and some other languages. Mm -hmm. um, so I think for me, sorry, you were asking about the, what were you, sorry, I totally lost it. I was like, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, oh, transition. Yes. The transition, right? Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I, I can't speak for what my parents' experience was like. You know, I moved to upstate New York from China when I was very young, I was like one and a half. So I didn't really particularly feel that transition. But uh, my dad was from a very rural like farm in China with like lots of siblings. He like, rare, like growing up, he rarely got to eat meat because he would give it to his younger siblings. Mm. That's all they, like, they, they couldn't afford um, a lot of food. And so my dad just primarily ate rice and some vegetables. He's like about, he's about five foot five. When he came to the U.S., he was about 95 pounds. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've seen pictures. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, now he's a very healthy, like, 145 pounds, 150, something like that. Much healthier. But, yeah, he was 95 pounds. Um, so we didn't come to this country with very much money. He got one of, like, five scholarships to attend Cornell University. Oh, wow. That's um, incredible. Yeah, so he worked incredibly hard to kind of rise above like the you know where where he was living in china and like just trying to break out of that rural like farm life because that wasn't something that he wanted like he wanted to come here and so we lived in a, in a trailer in upstate new york for many years while he was finishing his uh, graduate degree in cornell mm. so. that's awesome you can tell your dad you spoke with a guy today that didn't get into Cornell. I got rejected and he got in. So your dad's way smarter than me. So, you know, kudos to him. I did like two weeks at a junior college. That was cool. <laughs> it's true. I, w I tried to get into the, the acting and film program there and they were like, no, no, thank you. Oh, well. My dad likes to remind me that like, uh, I think Cornell is a, an Ivy League school because no one really, can, like no one thinks about Cornell when they think Ivy League. And he, he likes to remind us all that it is. So it's, it's competitive. It's hard to get in. Most people yeah. get rejected, so you're in good company. Well, yeah. shit, if I went into Corn or got into Cornell, I would remind people of that every day. <laughs> right? Hey, how are you? Great, I went to Cornell. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> right? You can't question Mr. Child's uh, credentials here. He'll let you know. What do you guys want to eat today? Well, at Cornell, we used to eat this. I, I attended there. Um, uh, so you grew up in upstate uh, New York, eventually to St. Louis. Uh, as you said, one of five kids going through high school. Did you have a good high school experience? You spoke about going on that retreat and things of that nature, but did you have a good high school experience? And was there things that then fueled you? Because, you know, acting, it's that is just a crapshoot industry. I know I've done commercial acting, and it's like, yes, I booked a gig, and then realizing you lost more money than you made and, you know, things <laughs> like that. So, Yeah, I mean, acting can be so tough and challenging for sure. I really fell in love with acting when I was in sixth grade, when I was in uh, St. Louis. And um, 
I did wrap in Stiltskin, which was the wrapping version of Rumpled Stiltskin. <laughs> and for me, I love making people like smile and laugh and feel. And so uh, that's when I fell in love with acting. And, you know, growing up, you know, I, I, I think overall, like, I had a decent childhood. I mean, wasn't perfect. Um, you know, there's, uh, I fought a ton with my dad. He's smart and he knows he's smart. So, <laughs> so we he's, nailed him. <laughs> so he's extremely stubborn. And I think I, I'm fairly stubborn. I try not to be quite as stubborn as my father. So we, we just fight about everything growing up. But I think being like Asian growing up had interesting challenges in that like, People, you know, and I think kids, it's like so much of it's how they're raised, the media, what influences they're seeing. You know, like I, my friends would get asked like, oh, like, why do you hang out with chinks? And, and, you know, I started to like hate the color yellow. Like, I think that was very symbolic of like maybe some self-hatred I had towards myself mm. because I had learned that like yellow was a derogatory uh, term for Asian. And I don't know, like a few weeks later, I found myself hating the color yellow and I was proud of hating the color yellow I didn't say like I wasn't like oh I, I hate Asian I was just like I hate that color every time I see that color I I can't stand it like I won't wear yellow I hate yellow mm-hmm. and so I think it, it was unfortunate I don't hate yellow anymore but I think there were some parts of that that was like maybe some self-hatred of like sure. hating like my skin color in some way or like or what it represented, I don't know, because I think I just faced, um, you know, I never, luckily I didn't get beat up um, uh, in high school, but I did, it was weird when I was like in upstate New York, um, I had a friend there who also lived in the trailer park. She had a good friend, Lisa, who I wasn't, for some reason, Lisa's mom didn't want us hanging out, but I don't think I did anything. Like I wasn't a bad kid, I was fine, it was pleasant. So maybe it had to do with race, I don't know. But like one day they like just just thought like we were playing dress up and then they decided to like punch me and kick me. It was really odd. And I don't know if it had to do with like Lisa's mom, like not liking me and saying things about me, but they they thought it was funny to beat me up. So that was my only incident that I can point to that like was maybe a racially motivated violent moment. Um, I was okay physically. Like they weren't very strong. We were all little kids, but it... I think it just emotionally scarred me yeah, more than it sure. physically, for sure. We'll be back with Jonah Chow. Not only will we discuss a little bit more about the work that she's doing now, how she was able to overcome her gambling issues as well as her eating disorder, plus random questions. This episode of Knocking Doors Down is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O. Co. And be sure to add the Knocking Doors Down podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application.
Strengthening communities, providing resources, building awareness, empowering youth in need to overcome adversity and achieve success. This is what the Carlos Vieira Foundation is all about. Through our campaigns, the race for autism, race to end the stigma, and race to be drug free, we're able to help so many in need. Our goal is to provide support to families and children and give these families opportunities that might not normally arise. Learn more and find out how you can get involved. Visit carlosvierafoundation.org today. Life is hard enough, and we all can have those negative voices oftentimes, you know, when we talk with people here on any recovery level. Of course, I'm included that, you know, it stems from sort of trauma situations. Did you yeah. did you take those kind of situations? Because normally when I, the, you know, folks that I've known of an Asian background, they're not normally as outgoing, but you're you're like, I'm an extrovert, which is so, you know, and, and I mean it just, you know, culturally, you know, when they when I've gone to, like I said, uh, things with friends of mine that are Hmong, you know, within their context of their group, they're incredibly outgoing, but out in society, they operate on a different level. Was that a challenge that you had as feeling like you were an extrovert to be able to be up there and be bombastic and play these great roles and characters? Great question. Um, I think I, my personality growing up was just more loud and vocal. I still remember my parents like showing me pictures of like when we, we visited New York city for the first time and there was like a street performer, like a, like a belly dancer. And I was like maybe six years old and I wanted to dance too. So I like <laughs> next to her and was like, <laughs> you know, like trying to dance, you know? So, so you've always been I, an entertainer. Well, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> always like the spotlight, I guess. I don't know. So I think I've always been pretty extroverted um, as a person. Um, so I think that luckily uh, came more naturally when it came to like acting and everything. So that was something I didn't feel like I had to overcome. Um, but I do feel like I, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I think because... I was so hard on myself growing up. Uh, I mean, yes, my parents were hard on me, but I was like even harder on myself than my parents. And just, I don't know, through that and like the pressures of being like a female in an entertainment. When I went to college, I like gained, like I had like my freshman, they say the freshman 10, I had like my freshman 15. I was like very stressed. I turned a lot to food. Mm-hmm. I, I developed a pretty um, bad eating disorder. I, I, uh, was bulimic for many, many years. Oh, um, mm-hmm. um, so that was something, uh, you know, I, I love how open you guys are about talking about, you know, your guys' past and, and things that you guys have dealt with. Yeah. And, yeah. and so for me, I was dealing with like uh, bulimia and then also a poker addiction at the same time. Oh, what was that? Yeah. I'm sorry. Poker. Uh, poker. Poker. Oh, okay. <laughs> at the same time. So it was tough because I think um, what was hard was I I kept feeling like I was broken. Like I would just describe myself and I would think of myself as a broken person, um, which is not helpful. Um, and I, you know, I started studying NLP, which is neuro linguistic programming, and just trying to find other solutions. Um, and I realized, you know, like we actually have all the resources within ourselves to overcome anything, like any addiction, any challenge, any obstacle. Um, but we just sometimes need support, you know, to access those resources. Yeah. What What do you think led to the the bulimia? You know, with 
with a lot of that angst that you said that you felt, you know, the towards the color yellow and you know your skin and that classification, that 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 makes sense. What do you think it was about about poker and gambling, um, you know, poker in general that that led towards that? And what were some of the consequences of it? Oh, um, so yeah, with the food, you know, it. I I think it was just a mix of a lot of things, like my perfectionism. Um, like me, like hating, like the weight gain I had had, um, exercising a lot during the day and then eating so healthy. I like refused to cook with oil at one point. Um, and then I would like eat like all these desserts at night. And then I, I like be so like mad at myself. And then I started throwing up. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of things like some self hatred. Yes. From all different sources. Um, and then with the poker, I, I think I, in some ways, have a naturally addictive personality. Like, I get very passionate about things. So I think in life, I do believe that everything kind of has a yin and a yang, right? Like, the things that help us and help us be successful can also be the things that can lead us to some dark moments as well. So, like, I'm a very passionate person, so I get really into things. Um, and so when I was a teenager, I... I don't like to be told I can't do something. Um, so I remember a friend of mine, Joe, was like, well, girls can't play poker. And I'm like, yeah. And I had never played poker, but I was like, well, I created like an online poker account. I, my screen name is Girls Play 2 with a number two. <laughs> and I started like playing poker online just to prove them wrong. Um, and so it was just fun and fine. But then in college, um, I met some people who uh, my college friends got really into going to casino. And for me, I just had a hard time walking away from the table, whether I was up by a lot of money or down. And so I, you know, sometimes won a lot, sometimes lost a lot. And I didn't really have a lot of money to lose. So um, I think at one point I like looked at my bank account and I had like $200 in my bank account and I was like kind of freaking out. And I had this picture in my head of like, oh my gosh, what if like, this addiction gets so bad that I end up like selling my car so I could have poker money and then riding my bike, buying a bike, riding it to the casino, losing all my friends, losing all my relationships because all I'm doing is like playing poker. So I, I, I did um, like the 12 step gamblers anonymous program. Um, I, I was in that for a little bit. I did some 12 step eating programs as well. So uh, I remember at one of the um, uh, the Gamblers Anonymous meetings, there was a woman that shared that sh- her friend, who also had like a, a gambling addiction, um, had like the previous week uh, been pulling an all-nighter, um, maybe playing for like, I don't know, maybe 30 hours or something at a time, and maybe had taken some stimulants to stay awake, and literally like her heart stopped and she died, like literally died at the table while Jeez. she was gambling. And I was like, oh, dear. I'm like, oh, man, like, this could be me. Like, that could be me. Um, So it's, and it was bad. I I was like, sometimes like, oh, well, I'll go to the casino because at least when I'm gambling, I don't eat as much. (laughs) (laughs) Your mind's not exactly focused on food at the casino. You know, (laughs) welcome to it. I mean, that's the brain where people don't understand. You know, they're like. Why wouldn't you just have like one or two beers? 
why I could have 12 or 18 why not you know and it's like people just don't don't get her the way that we would justify it it's like well I'm I'm drinking this much at home so I'm not driving so other people are safe but it's like yeah you're still you know like in your case yeah but you're still two hundred dollars left in your bank account and freaking the you know what out mm-hmm. yeah no for sure uh and so much of it is it becomes like the things that we the patterns it becomes physical too it's not just like mental mm-hmm. and it's not and i think a, a couple things come to mind it's like your environment which like has a huge role in shaping who you are and who you become so like the more i was hanging out with poker players yeah. <laughs> and friends being friends with them like the more poker I was playing, right? Like the more enablers there what there were in my life. Yeah. So it's like choosing who to spend time with. Like I, I, you know, luckily I, I haven't had like an alcohol addiction um, before, but like the times I, I would date someone who just enjoy partying and drinking more. Well, I just naturally drink more. And um, my fiance right now has never ever had alcohol in his life. Awesome. So I drink maybe like once a month maybe once every two months um and so i I do think environment has such a a large role and being specific about like who do we want to be and who are the people we get to surround ourselves with that helps us be the people we want to be so that plays a factor for sure it is you know i know the change for me no you know not going to the bars anymore or something those people just kind of disappeared you know stop gambling those people just kind of disappeared Yes. Yes. And then I I was gonna say, but with bulimia, you know, that tends to be a, you know, a very hidden thing. Usually, how did you end up confronting that? You you mentioned going to some programs, but what were the changes? Maybe for anyone out there that's listening that is struggling with this same issue that that worked and were effective for you. Sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I would be lying if I said like I never deal with food issues. Sure. Um, That would. Um, however, I think for me, I, I, I just, every, I wanted everything yesterday in my life, like results with acting, um, food, weight loss, everything. Right. Like I just was always in a hurry and I just wish like back then I did what I do now, which is like just having a more long-term approach to like, if you do, if you do want to lose some weight, you know, is to, um, see it as a longer term thing, not like, oh, I need to drop like 10 pounds in like two months, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because that's where all the yo-yo dieting and everything comes in. Um, So I think there's so much (laughs) that can help. Uh, Where do I, um, so yeah, having more of a long-term perspective. um, I think a lot of it is like, how do you stop yourself from beating yourself up? I think that's the big, like with the beating yourself up, then I would, eat more and more and more and more because I'm like, well, I already fucked up, right? Yeah. Um, like, how do we take care of ourselves and be gentle with ourselves? And like things I do, like like in college, like I hated my body. I had just every mirror I would pass, I would like sneak a look just to see if like my legs were as big as I thought they were in my head. You know, just like all those like really terrible things that are like, that like each time you do it, it's really subconsciously hurting you. And like I'll do things like nowadays is like part of my um, daily routine is spending a minute in front of the mirror and like saying loving things about myself and my body, you know, like thank you legs for like being so strong and like helping me play sports and, 
you know, my knee is recovering from like, like a ongoing injury that I've had from like, you know, like being grateful for your body and like looking at yourself, acknowledging yourself and like loving it mm -hmm. does help. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's that big part of, you know, anyone that goes through any sort of recovery is the gratitude, you know, and and being thankful for your own problems. You know, like you said, it's like, yeah, I got a knee injury, but I can walk, uh, yeah. you know, I can speak, I can hear, I can do all these things. And people forget that and just lose the gratitude of self. I mean, this is the only you that's ever going to use, so might as well enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's um, there was for me uh, kind of an interesting story, so I'll share. So there was a moment where I, for the most part, like got rid of my gambling addiction. Do you guys want to hear that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going through my NLP training, which is neuro linguistic programming. So it's just all about like how we create the habits that we do, how to change those habits. And I remember we were doing this parts integration exercise, which is like a part of you wants one thing, a part of you wants something else, right? Typical conflict. And there's an NLP exercise that um, my trainer, Matt, was demoing. He was like, hey, anyone want to volunteer? And I was like, ooh, ooh, me. And so he's, he was questioning people and figuring out who he wanted to bring up as his demo. I'm like, me. And he was like, okay, well, what's your what's your um, dilemma? I'm like, well, part of me um, wants to, feels like I should just stop playing poker completely. And then and he was like, okay. And he was like, and the other part? I'm like, well, the other part of me is like, well, can I play poker? but just use NLP and other um, things to discipline myself so I have more discipline when I play poker so it doesn't get out of hand. And he was like, okay. So he started asking me questions and he's like, well, why is poker a problem? Like, he's like, well, what's the problem? Like, what do you, like, why is this an issue? And so as he asked questions, I could tell that he was kind of against the poker. So I got defensive. Like I, I was like, well, but if I, okay, yes, it gets a little out of hand, but like myself and if I could just be disciplined like using these tools like maybe I could maybe I can make it work and then he saw all the resistance the defensiveness come up and he said something to me that ended up changing my life he said Jonah um, I'm going to ask you a question but you have to promise me that you will not answer out loud and I was like okay all right and he said just the part of you that wants to play poker does that part want to be disciplined? And I opened my mouth because I always have an answer for everything. And then I remembered my promise. So I shut my mouth. I just kind of sat away. I was not selected to be part of the part integration, which is fine. But I just really sat there for the next five minutes, like really thinking about that question. Um, and then what I came to realize uh, for myself was that like this part of me that wanted to play poker and wanted to gamble really only existed to be reckless and careless and risk-taking like that was why i think it was there so then the idea of like trying to discipline it and control it just sounded ridiculous um and so i made a decision right then and there that like i wasn't going to ever enter a casino in los angeles again because i would i used to pull all-nighters i'd only leave only if i had something in the morning yeah. And that I had to. So I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll, you know, play everyone's old friends or in Vegas, but I will not step into a casino in Los Angeles. Um, and for me, it was easier to stop than it was to try to, you know, to play a little and stop myself. Like, mm -hmm. I think that self awareness of like really being. <clears throat> and for 
mean, it's, it's the same with food sometimes. It's like, I know that this will be harder for me to stop eating this bread if I start than if I didn't stop it, if I didn't start at all. So I'm just going to choose not to eat it right now. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that moment in that training, uh, I think I consider myself extremely lucky um, because I think that was a fork in the road for me. Like my life, I don't know if I'd be alive, honestly, to this day, um, had I not gone through that. Yeah. Well, it just shows the power of confronting these things because, you know, any sort of addiction is powerful. We lie to ourselves and others in turn. And when we get those good aha moments like you had, it's like, oh, wow. You know, because gambling, you can stop. Food, I can't. You know, I've kind of been the opposite where, you know, I've had it when I was active in my addiction. I would go a day or two without eating. I would drink, but I would go a day or two without it. And so for me, it's kind of been that thing of, we can go without booze or gambling, but we can't go without food and sustenance. So that's a totally different challenge in itself. I just have to eat. I'm the opposite. It's like, you know, eat guy, let's go. Whereas for you, it's a totally different situation. Yes, absolutely. And so for me, like the poker was easier for me to find solutions to because, yeah, again, it's like that environment too, right? It's like I... I would have to physically, which I did many times, drive to the casino versus food, which is kind of just all around us everywhere. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, jo- Joanna, uh, we tend to finish off. We leave the guests with the last encouraging words. But before that, we're going to do some random questions. But we do have one more gentleman's bet because I, I lost the first one, how to pronounce your last name. Come on, Jonah. Okay. I'm an idiot. Uh, we know that you are a competitive woman. You couldn't be successful in the acting industry if you weren't competitive. Love to challenge. But you also love to play board games, as do I. So we guessed, what is your favorite board game? Oh. Ooh. Oh, you want me to answer? Yeah. 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 What is your favorite board game? Because we've each taken a guess. I really like a game called Resistance, Damn. which is like what Werewolf and Mafia. We both lost. We both lost. What did you guys guess? He said checkers and he said Scrabble. I said Scrabble. I wanted oh, it yeah. to just be a simple, basic answer. I wanted you to just like be competitive. I love all board games, but what's your favorite? Checkers. <laughs> That's what I wanted. It's so I'm Scrabble and Checkers. It doesn't do it for me. <laughs> if, if you're over seven years old, nobody likes checkers. All right, Come Jonah, on. you don't need to kick me when I'm down. I get it. I lost that one. But then again, so did you. So I I'm still you. up one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I picked Scrabble because, A, you seem far more intelligent than me, and I'm dyslexic, and I suck at that game. There is no point in playing it. That's also why I would mess up, like, you know, other names, because I look at everything phonetically. I'm like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Um, all right, Jonah, we got some fun uh, random questions uh, before we leave you with the last words, all right? Maggie. If you could travel anywhere in time, but you had to stay there, where would it be and why? Am I allowed to travel into the future? Sure. Yes. Future, past, stay in the present. I would love to travel into the future, maybe like 100 years. Oh. Um, so <laughs> that society moves in a good direction, lots of advancements, people living longer. Yes. Yeah. 
That's it. No, I'm with you on that one. I always uh, people always ask me why I'm so interested in like science fiction, especially the world of Gene Roddenberry with Star Trek. I'm like because the way everybody yeah. treats each other, you know. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, all right, pet peeves. What annoys the you know what out of Jonah? When I get ghosted. <laughs> <laughs> just like people, not like just. I just don't understand why people I get it it's like we don't have a relationship but like let's say like we've talked before just in something or whatever the situation um we kind of know each other I think people are just so scared of saying no to people you know what I mean we're like oh I'm not interested uh where I I'm literally like hey if I'm bugged like if you're not interested just let me know yeah. and I'll stop and then they just still don't reply and I'm like all right well yeah. so that, that's I, I it's a pet peeve of mine I'm like just they say no or just be like, oh, I'm not interested and I'll, I'll leave you alone. Because I, I am a little bit aggressive. I'm aggressive with grace. I try to be so I'm someone who follows up with people and like, you know, I don't assume that they saw my message. Like maybe they missed it. Maybe they were driving. But then sometimes I'm like, nah, you're just, you're just ignoring me. Fine. I'll, I'll leave you alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just a jackass. But hey, you get the laugh because you're engaged now. So any of those dudes that ghosted you, screwed up so you're good to go now so if, if you bump into quote unquote carl sometime and he's like hey we should get a drink screw you carl engage see that bye i'll use that one i'll use yeah, that one yeah you can give him the peace out bitches <laughs> all right mikey i was i was waiting for you to finish <laughs> i couldn't help it i was on a rant all right if you were stuck on a deserted island, what one movie and one album would you bring? Oh, oh, movie and an album. Oh, gosh. This is hard. For the uh, rest of your life on an island. Well, we don't it's, necessarily it's my rest, question. but you're just stuck. It's my question. All rest right, of your bad. life. I'm going to go now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, a movie. Dang. Um... I would imagine I would want something upbeat if I'm on an yeah, island. Yeah, something positive, I would assume, right? You can say yeah. Raya and the Last Dragon. Raya and the Last I was thinking about I, that. I was Raya expecting you to say that. I was expecting you to say It's really, it, it's got good messages, and it's funny, and it's great. Um, and then album. Oh, man. Uh, I really, um, I, I like Leonard Skinner. Oh, um, nice. John Stevens in terms of artists so maybe something of theirs I'm terrible with names of albums so don't ask me for that <laughs> <laughs> you're totally good I love people that refer to a song as track nine <laughs> that used to be the thing back in the day um, ba -ba -ba, um okay um what is your favorite curse word you did drop the f-bomb with us but what is your favorite curse word probably fuck yeah that's a good one. You can use it in so many different ways, you know? Exactly. It's the versatility. I had a college friend who got into, I think it was USC. He wrote a whole essay on the word fuck. <laughs> like the whole essay was all about the word fuck. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is impressive. Well, like I said, it's like you get a present or something. Oh, fuck. That's awesome. Or like, fuck. You know, like it's just, it's so. That like. Yeah, I mean, there's a great video on YouTube where it's like how it's a noun, a verb, an adjective, mm -hmm. an adverb. It's 
Oh it's yeah, just brilliant. Um, any guilty pleasures? Um, uh, sometimes I'll watch shows like The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Um, oh yeah, that's a guilty pleasure. Oh, yeah. I also okay, okay. I also on social media when I see like a juicy post. Um, I'll like I'll, I'll I'll know that there's trolls and I, I just want to see what like I, I'm just curious. I go down the rabbit hole. I'm like, oh damn! Oh, <laughs> You're like, so, fuck. It's no. <laughs> a little time looking at it and being entertained. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we like to leave our guests with the final word. Yeah. So, uh, what you know, words of encouragement, all that good. Anyone that struggled with, obviously, you know, you coming out sharing with us about the gambling, the bulimia, and especially right now with what's going on in our culture, being you know, uh, you know, of Asian descent. That any words that you have? Yeah, um, I think just to know that like no one is broken. There's nothing like I believe inherently wrong with any of us. Mm -hmm. So I think reach out for support. Tell I think share with your closest friends that you feel comfortable with. Like let them know what you're dealing with. Let them help you because I think so often like we live in a society that's about like being fiercely independent, which is great, and it really hurts us when we should really be asking for support, joining communities, um, reaching out for help. Um, I think that that's a big one is to ask people for help if you are open to working with a professional you know asking around seeing if there is a therapist of some some someone that you can work with mm -hmm. and just knowing that like any there's a solution to every problem um that you're facing so um i'm sure someone out there has uh, uh overcome something with whatever you're dealing with but even worse and they've mm -hmm. succeeded so, so can you so instead of why can't I and beating yourself up, like step into the place of how can I and and really ask yourself that question and go from there. We need to ask ourselves better questions if we want better answers. Absolutely. Well, Jonah, uh, give us again, uh, you know, the, the the movie that's out now on uh, on Disney. Any other upcoming projects that we got to look forward to as well? Um, so it's Raya and the Last Dragon. You can get it on Disney Plus with Premier Access right now. It's also in um, a good number of theaters. So um, that's great. And then I uh, there's a superhero show that will be coming out in May that I'm a part of. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and then in the fall, um, you'll see me recur as Daisy, a working class woman who... Um, has some grit and is dealing with lots of really tough situations um, in Hightown season two. So it's like this uh, crime drama on stars. Yeah, it's so it's on stars. Uh, yeah, uh, it's juicy and lots of shit happens. So <laughs> <laughs> I encourage um, anyone to watch season one uh, to catch up and I'm really grateful to be part of season two. Awesome. Sweet. Well, you are totally kick-ass. We appreciate this very much. Hopefully when this pandemic uh, shuts down, we can do one of these in person, but we really appreciate your time. Thank you for being so vulnerable, and keep up the amazing work. Thank you both so much. You guys are so fun, and I love the banter you guys have. 
uh, with each other too. <laughs> so thank you for being so entertaining and for asking some really great questions. Jonah Chow, what an awesome lady. Sweet lady. She's funny too. Have you seen oh. her Instagram? Yeah, she's, she's funny. She's fucking hilarious. Yeah. 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 That's the comedy as well. Yeah, doing. no, for sure. But uh, great, great woman, and we definitely appreciate her time and look forward to more of her projects. I'm really interested to see what the project is. It's a higher profile one that she couldn't really discuss yet. My understanding is it's a little bit in the realm of, you know, superheroes in that universe. So, you know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Fingers crossed for her. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, our uh, guest next week, uh, 10-year NFL veteran Randy Grimes. Wrong team, though. I know. He played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they weren't good. Yeah, not last year when Tom Brady won it for everyone. <laughs> now, Randy's an awesome guy, and not only that, he goes out and uh, speaks at uh, a lot of different conferences, but he also has a foundation um, helping athletes that have uh, succumbed to addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, quite often it happens out of a result of injuries, which was for him. Didn't grow up with a traumatic childhood, good parents, solid family, but as those injuries built up over his career and he had to continue to be out there on the field because that's what he did to feed his family um, opioid addiction took over for him and it la lasted long after his career yeah it's like the take your pills and get back out on the field kind of mentality and if you are a fan of football and have watched football in the past you know well, like 15 20 years ago or something like that yeah he they was, would they yeah. would need those pills because because nowadays it's pretty much touch football but that's just my personal <laughs> opinion but back in the day you'd rip somebody's head off and they would still not miss one game you know yeah. what I mean? So those pills were in full effect, and it's really unfortunate because uh, a lot of those guys went through those addictions, but luckily people like Randy got themselves out of it. Absolutely. So we're looking forward to sharing that with you. And if you have yet to subscribe to the podcast, maybe a first-time listener, please do so on whatever platform you're listening on. If it's Apple Podcast, hey, click the uh, review. Leave us a review there. And how about a five-star rating? And uh, while you're at it, share it with a friend. It's just that simple. Share it with an enemy. Who hey, cares? We don't care. Just Spread the word. Share it. Anything else, Mr. Rocky? Nah, I'm going home. On that note, keep knocking doors down. Fifty-one fifty is a lifestyle. We believe in pushing yourself, finding your passion, knowing your dreams, and working hard. Always striving to make those dreams a reality. We believe life's too short to sit back and say, what if? Go after it, grab it, and make it happen. Being 5150 is committing to that long, hard road ahead that you know is going to be tough, but the most rewarding. That's living the madness. That's 5150. If you're living the 5150 lifestyle, then celebrate by rocking the goods. Listeners of Knocking Doors Down, head over to 5150LTM.com. That website again, 51FIFTYLTM.com. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the Knocking Doors Down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of errors. 
Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.